Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In-depth conversations. Matchup breakdown. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome back into fourth down in the Steel City. Alongside Josh Taylor and producer Greg Finley, I'm Chris Mack. And you are locked in. Don't forget to follow and subscribe however you get your podcasts, including in your Odyssey app. And, of course, you can watch on YouTube, where today, if you read that 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 little uh, thing over, it's, it's over that way, actually. Over that way, right below Josh and, and Greg. Today we play Is This a Thing? Where each of us will ask, about a certain thing that perhaps we've heard about or people are talking about and ask the other two, is this a thing? So, Greg, I let you start us, friend. I let you start us with, is this a thing today? What have you got for us? Okay, so yeah, uh, Mark Caballi came out this past week and said that Byron Leftwich reached out to the Steelers about a possible opportunity with the offensive coordinator position. And the Steelers kind of poo-pooed it and said, new phone, who dis? And they kind of just ignored him. (laughs) And uh, there's just been talks now or speculation. If Matt Canada were to get let go at the end of the season, would Byron Leftwich be a good replacement or a possible replacement for next season? So I ask, is this a thing? I mean, it's a strong. He's a possibility. He's worth talking to, right? He's familiar yes, with exactly. your organization. Uh, the man's got a Super Bowl ring as an offensive play caller, right? So people are going to stand there and say, "Yeah, but what do he do without Brady?" Okay, that <laughs> what's Bill Belichick done without Tom Brady? I mean, Tom Brady's an X factor that hasn't existed in any sport really, especially in the NFL in the last quarter century. So I don't know how fair it is necessarily although I'll still use it as a caveat in the case of Josh McDaniels and Bill O'Brien to say, what has he done without Brady? Um, Fair assessment. I, some, people, some people would also tell you, what has Josh McDaniels done without cheating? But that's a different discussion. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. What has Andy Reid done without Mahomes? Like, he did all right with Donovan McNabb. He, he did um, okay with McNabb. He yeah. did okay. So here's the thing. I would certainly talk to him. Now, I, I am also willing to honestly – acknowledge that the Steelers aren't doing anything about this during the season. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, they won't do anything about this until mid January Mm -hmm. when the time comes to renew Matt Canada's contract. And they don't because they've set this all up from the beginning. I mean, this thing has been in place since the day Todd Haley left. Really? We went over that a couple weeks ago that, well, this guy will be the guy. And then maybe we'll bring in this guy to transition to him at some point. And Mm -hmm. that's all this has been the whole time has been a big cluster of meh. M-E-H, meh. And the only way they get out of that is to finally actually step out of the mold of just promoting from within. And that's what Leftwich would be. It would be going outside the organization, even though he does know the organization from his time here. It would be going outside the typical, uh, the same old list that the Steelers always go through. So I don't have a problem with entertaining the idea. Absolutely not. I think it should be a thing. 
there's there's two things I look at with this. Number one, and th- this is something that was confirmed by by the last guy who played quarterback for this team himself. Even he said it that he wouldn't he wouldn't fire Matt Canada now during the season. And it was put out in a tweet, and a bunch of people got really upset to the point where I felt like I was on um on the wedding singers, like Robbie, you might want to get out of here. They're starting to turn on George. <laughs> People are turning on Ben already for, for saying that he wouldn't fire Matt Cannon. And now he's like, look, you're five games into the season. You're in the bye week. You're in first place. You don't want to try to switch things up that drastically right now. And I kind of understand that sentiment. And 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 people tend to say, oh, you know, the Steelers just won't do that because it's the Steelers. A lot of teams would not do that. And we people like to point to Baltimore as the, the example. Well, they fired their offensive coordinator midseason. Yeah, they also had Jim Caldwell as his replacement. They had a guy who had already won a Super Bowl as a coach and the guy who revamped Peyton Manning's entire career as a quarterback as the replacement. I, I will say this. Different. The Steelers do have a guy, and I don't think he was crucial to Eli's necessarily winning two Super Bowls, but he was there. He was there for it. Sully was there for some <laughs> crucial Eli Manning time in New York. Now, was he anything more than a clipboard caddy? I don't know. But I will what? say he was calling plays for a time for Eli in New York. Yeah, but Eli's right. a Loki variant, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I was I was going to ask the question: Was he the Mobius to the with the Loki variant that is Eli Manning? Yeah, because if he was just Mobius, <laughs> Loki just dropped a week ago. Okay, people who old probably aren't going to catch that reference. But it, your your point stands valid, Chris. Like the the point stands is valid with Mike Sullivan as it does with Byron Leftwich, whether people want to acknowledge it or not. And that's the next thing I'm going with this because I could see it being a thing just for him having some level of involvement next season, even if they don't hire him as the offensive coordinator, because we still live in a world where they could probably bring Matt Canada back for like one more year just to troll everybody. But then they hire Byron Leftwich as an offensive assistant (laughs) to help with the game planning. And then somewhere along the line, it's like, okay, Byron Leftwich is going to be the guy. Because that's it, you're right. See, that's exactly what they do. It's the it, same thing they did with Canada and Feekner. It's the same thing. Where I'm going it's with the this. same thing they did with Austin replacing Butler. Like this is and they did it with Butler with LeBeau. Yeah. There, I, I, there's a reason why. There's a reason why after the what the 2020 season, I told Greg specifically, you know what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be Austin and Canada. They're going to be the coordinators on this team. I called it a year out. That it was going to happen. Because they're that predictable. Because it was that predictable because it's what they do. Everything they tend to do, especially on that side of it, it has a pattern and they follow it. And when they follow that pattern, people have the nerve, the unmitigated goal to be surprised. And then we're like, oh, the Steelers are so predictable. Yet you get surprised when they do the predictable thing. Yeah, you're right. You're the one that fell for it. You fell for the Yoki doke not them. Be more more surprised when they finally step out of character. Right. When they do the thing that you don't expect them to do, then call me with the shocked face. Because at this point, they they pretty much telegraph how they're going to do. And and yeah, it's almost like thinking two moves ahead in chess. It's kind of what it is. And some people won't use, use the chess argument if it's something they don't like. But that's pretty much what it is. They they use this slow progression, whether we like it or not. That's how they operate. So will I say he could be the next offensive coordinator? I think it's a distinct possibility. But at the very least, I could see him having some level of involvement with this staff next season. I think that's yeah. a thing. Yeah, the last uh, thing I'll say about this, and we'll move on because I didn't, I didn't get to get my opinion on it. But I, I just think that Leftwich is like. 
here's my resume. Call me if you want me at the end of the season type thing. Yeah. Like, I don't and this think, is that time of year to do that. Because I don't think that he's trying to get a job right now. And he's like, I want to take over Matt Canada's job right now. I think he's saying, look, I see what's going on in Pittsburgh. People are calling for this guy's head and his contracts up at the end of the year. Like, he's here's being my opportunistic. Re- I can't yeah. blame him. Here's my resume. Call me if you need me. And I think Greg's- that's all there is to it. Greg's got a good point because what the, the thing we don't always look at because you can't see it on the surface, this is that time of year in college football, boys, where search firms are reaching out to other coaches that might be doing somewhat well in their jobs, an offensive coordinator that's off to a hot start, a head coach that might be looking to to peek his head out of the door. Hello, oh, Lane Kiffin, yeah. how are you? Manny Diaz has probably got three phones right. going right now. There's, 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 there's people hiring search firms. You know, we don't want the athletic department to come clean, but there's people hiring search firms looking for coaches that might be interested in next year. This is when they start greasing those wheels and greasing those skids to make those moves. So it's not out of character. It is really not out of the ordinary for Byron Leopards to try to do the same thing right now. Can't blame them. All right, Josh, is this a thing? What have you got for us? <laughs> oh, the pivotal point of, of the game on offense. Against Baltimore, the the vaunted touchdown catch plus no sell from <laughs> Matt Canada. And the the narrative has become that Matt Canada did not call the play. Therefore, he had no reaction because it had nothing to do with him. <laughs> and it has been I, I, I haven't seen it anywhere else. But I'm going to give Derek Bell from Steelers now mm-hmm. the credit for this. I think he was I, he was the first person that I saw call this audible gate. Yeah. And I love it just because it's so damn messy. So, yes, audible gate. Kenny Pickett and outsmarting Matt Canada to a giant no-sell after a go-ahead touchdown in a division rivalry game to put them in first place. Is this a thing? So, I'm going to go 50-50. I will say the audible or check or hot read or whatever it was is a thing because Kenny was asked about it by Mike DeFabo this afternoon. And basically, DeFabo did a roundabout thing of asking the question because I don't think he wanted to be obvious about it. He was trying to be messy without being messy. Yeah, and I kind of wish, I kind of wanted, I love Mike, but I kind of wanted, I just want to turn around and be like, Mike, just just ask him if he called the play. Just just be messy. Um, That's your job to be messy. Kenny kind of answered it by saying, well, yeah, this is what I was looking for on the play. He didn't come out and say, I called the audible. But he kind, if you read between the lines, he checked into something at the line based off the coverage that they saw. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I mean, look, Pickett or Pickett Pickens was one-on-one with Humphrey. We, we, we well know that anytime George Pickens is in single coverage on the outside, especially in that moment, Kenny's going to try to go to him, or at least that has to be his first read George one-on-one. Um, so he actually did what we've called for what we all scream and yell and pray for. And he saw Pickens one-on-one on the outside, even against a quality corner like Marlon Humphrey, and went after it and got it, and it hit. So I will say that part, that part, that's a thing. Matt Canada no-selling, I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> I think Matt Canada, to, can I be real honest? Like, yes. I hate to play armchair psychologist on someone that I don't know that well, who maybe I've been a part of a group interview scrum a few times and watches reactions during games, and that's about it. Yeah. I think Matt Canada is just really socially awkward. Like, I think that's it. Like, would he be the first coach that was socially awkward? 
No. Would he, he be the first coach in Pittsburgh that was socially awkward? No. Would he be? Would the first... he be the only coach in Pittsburgh right now that's socially awkward? <laughs> you mean, be keep honest. going. Keep going. Be honest. Uh, so would no. he be the only coach in Pittsburgh working on the South Side that's socially awkward? <laughs> <laughs> Would he be the first person in sports media uh, or sports in Pittsburgh who's right. totally unaware of how to act in social situations? Exactly. No. And I think Matt Canada has that problem sometimes. Like the way he answers questions sometimes during those media scrums midweek, sometimes you get the sense that he just wants to tell everybody to off and get the hell out of his face. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, I feel the same way if I thought every question was going to be, hey, why do you suck at your job so much? <laughs> hey, <laughs> How come you haven't crawled into a hole to die? Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> we're in a DX shop, everybody too. Exactly. So, and then at other times you get the sense that he's trying to be nice, but it comes off really weird. Uh, anyway, yeah. my point is this. I think Matt Canada is just real. Matt Canada is in a tough spot where he's like the most hated man in the city. And he's also kind of socially awkward and not good at handling it. So in that instance, I don't think it's, I, that's all I think it is, is Matt Canada is somewhat aware that there's this little camera over here off to the side because they got monitors in the booth. They can see what's being shown 10 seconds after it's shown. Mm -hmm. And so he knows he's being watched throughout the game. He knows there's quite literally a, a microscope on him and he doesn't want to overreact. He's been made fun of for doing that before. When a play hit, he overreacted and people make fun of him for it. Thank he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to underreact, but he, he did in this case. So, I, think, I just think Matt Canada, armchair psychologist in me, says Matt Canada's kind of weird, and Matt Canada's over overly aware of every single of his one of his actions being parsed and pulled apart at this point. I have a really weird theory. Okay. Well, first of all, the, the audibling part, I mean, Kenny Pickett said on Sunday the plan was to go to George on that play. Yeah, so he said they were prepared throughout the week for that. For even cover zero. even exactly. if they did audible, the plan was still fly route George Pickens because he had one on one with Humphrey, right. which is what you should prepare whether, for anyway. If you even if you're semi competent, yeah. right? Whether it's called in the huddle or called at the line, either way, yeah, you right. guys are right. But I that think, preparation during the week should reflect on the offensive coordinator, and he should get credit credit for such things. So yes. stop trying to dance around it, people. He had a hand in it. Stop. I'm not. Okay. I'm not sure though if I'm going to be right on this or not. But this is just my theory. I think Canada had that reaction because he wanted Pickens to go down and they'd run the clock out and they'd kick a field goal and win the game and not give oh. the ball back to Baltimore. That is a, that's a theory. Yeah. <laughs> that's huh. Is that a thing? Huh. <laughs> because well, I had you've... people texting me that were like, why didn't he just go down? I'm like, because this team needed a touchdown. Like, they, they needed did. a touchdown. They did. So, and, and honestly, in scoring the touchdown and it being having a four-point lead or potentially a four-point lead or that could have been five-point lead is way better than just having a one-point lead. So, yeah, yeah. I, they needed the touchdown. I agree. Yeah. They didn't make, up, need to make this game any crazier than it already no. was. That brings up a good question to ask, for me to ask Canada, though, tomorrow. Um yeah. Matt, would you have preferred that Pickens went down instead of going in to score the touchdown so you could run the clock out and kick a field goal to win? So, Somebody asked the guy down in Miami that question. Immediately. If he shuts that down immediately, I'm way off. <laughs> oh, oh, if he shuts it down immediately, I'm just going to blame it on you. Okay, um, okay cool. <laughs> Interpret so, producer Greg came up with that one. <laughs> Matt, Matt, I'm really stupid. I'm like you. Everybody <laughs> hates me. Uh, so my producer funnels me questions. 
Um, can you? I want to ask you this before I go eat worms. Just you know. <laughs> want some? I got, I got hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so is this a thing? I have a question for you two. Is Kenny Pickett really clutch in the fourth quarter? Ooh, he can be. A couple of times we have seen him do it on a drive. Not the entire quarter. We have seen him do it on a drive. So I'm going to say no, but there's a little bit more to it that he's clutch on a drive in the fourth quarter, but the entire uh-huh. quarter itself, no. Okay. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat because I'm trying to think back. If I'm thinking about specific games, there's two chances against Baltimore now where he's come through. Yep. There's the Raiders game last year where he came through. Yep. So the indie you game. say the indie game where he came through. So am I saying the entire fourth quarter? No. But am I saying opportunities with the game on the line for him to make a play? Mm-hmm. I'll say yes to that. I'll say I'll I'll go with – I'll do this again. I'm going to go to the Clint Hurdle, the Clint Hurdle idiom. He has the slow heartbeat Yeah. when he needs to have a slow heartbeat because you will see him for three and a half quarters kind of look average at best, but then he'll come down to that one drive of the game where they need him to come through, and he just ends up looking like – you know, an all completely different quarterback. However, and this is going to make some people mad, but I'm going to harken back about, oh, nearly 20 years ago when there was a guy in the early part of his career that did a lot of the same things. Mm-hmm. For that first three quarters, probably he was, you know, average at best, pretty solid, didn't do a lot of things. He didn't make a lot of mistakes, but he didn't, he didn't really, you know, jump off the page. But then the fourth quarter come around, do a couple things. He's in the game, go in and win it. And he would do it. And he built a reputation off of it throughout the course of his career where he became pretty much just that he was that guy who had that clutch gene. So will I say that he's clutch in the fourth quarter particularly? No, but if his team keeps him in it and he knows he goes out and has one shot to win, he does okay. what he needs to. So you made the comparison, Josh, and it's a good one, to early Ben. Right? Early Ben. Not not peak no. like, tw- no, tw- no, like no. late two odds Ben. 0405-06 Ben. Yes. And and I think that's a it's a good comp of sorts. And when I saw this originally brought up, it was actually you know one of Andrew Filipponi's absurd tweets that he does just to get reaction and I love oh, them. Um it was something about <laughs> Ben's career quarterback rating against the Ravens and Kenny's quarterback rating this Sunday. And he compared the two and look it's apples and oranges and so I think I just responded by taking the Lord's name in vain. Sorry. But I was frustrated, and it, it's, that happens it's a, a lot. It happens with pony tweets. Yeah. Anyway, so that being said, it got me to thinking. Well, what are Kenny's fourth quarter numbers? Like, you know, to your point, we know that he has had these drives: the Indy mm-hmm. drive where Benny Snell scored the touchdown, mm-hmm. uh, and then he made the two-point throw to George Pickens. Great Benny throw Snell. on the run in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. Benny Snell feels like eight years ago now. <laughs> I know he doesn't even, I don't think he's even playing anywhere. Um, he's, like a lifetime. he's got Vegas on Christmas Eve. He's got Baltimore the week after that. And now Baltimore this year. So he's got yep. four game winning come from behind fourth quarter touchdown drives in those drives. 
He's really, really good. 21 of 28, 252 yards, three touchdowns, a 137.8 QB rating on those four drives. Unfortunately, games are not and fourth quarters are not just those drives. So if you strip those four drives away, Pickett's fourth quarter numbers are fairly atrocious. A 59.8 completion percentage, 783 yards on 122 attempts, zero touchdowns, and six interceptions. That is a quarterback rating of 58.2. Now, Jets game comes to mind with that particular stat. The Dolphins game comes to mind. The Dolphins game comes to mind. You saw where I was going with this. I'll be fair. I'm cherry picking, okay? I'll be honest. I am cherry picking. But I guess my point remains that if you're going to be a clutch fourth quarter quarterback, first of all, it's got to be more than four comebacks. Neil O'Donnell had six in one year, for God's sake. And people in this town still bury him because he threw two untimely interceptions in the final game that season, right? Well, being paid off by the mafia will do that to you, Chris. I love that. People theory. still believe that. I love the it. The same people who believe Audible Gate probably believe that story. I'm just too. saying, I got a cousin in Bloomfield. He knew Henry Hill from the Goodfellas movies and the whole BC point shaving scandal. Anyway, O'Donnell, Irish Catholic, Henry Hill, Irish Catholic. Put the two and two oh together. You can see where I'm going with it. Anyway, oh, me and my cousin. Man. No, so seriously. <laughs> that discussion uh, happened. Oh, guarantee it's happened multiple times. On, on, oh, on a boy. on a on a bar stool at Silky's on Liberty Avenue. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't heard it on our radio airwaves yet. <laughs> it's happened. Oh, they were, it was happening at the time. That was what 30 years ago. It was going down. It was probably happening on Thoratolo. Yeah. Oh, wow. I went there. Yeah, I went there. Totally went there. Bill Bill Cowher's ears are burning right now because you mentioned Thoratolo. <laughs> Bill Cowher's ready to punch something right now. And he doesn't know why because somebody uttered Thoratolo's name in another oh, dimension. Anyway, we'll say it two more times or he'll show up. That's some, that's some, uh, a bunch of references there for some old heads. Sorry. Um, <laughs> We're showing our educate, Chris. We are. Uh, so here's the thing like four, four nice drives, right? And each of them serve to win those games. I like Fair. them. I'm not Fair. complaining about them. I'd rather see those than no fourth quarter come from behind drives. I just, need, I just need to see a little bit more. I got to flesh it out in the second half. I got to see him come in with one of those drives right out of the gate in the first quarter. If the only time we're getting those performances out of Kenny Pickett are when it's absolutely down to the wire, that's a problem because sometimes you're not going to get them. Sometimes it's going to be your defense that has to win it for you in Cleveland when, which by the way, that Cleveland game that that they won 26, 22 week two, guess how many completions Kenny Pickett had in that fourth quarter? Bupkis zero. (laughs) So look, he is not all magic in the fourth quarter. He's not shooting rainbows and unicorns out of his butt in the fourth quarter all the time. Sometimes he's failing just as miserably as he has in the first three and a half quarters. And to your That's, point, if you do something along those lines in the first three and a half quarters, perhaps you don't have to do it. At the, the end of the game. Quarter. Yes, exactly. Because if right. you're playing well in the first three, maybe you have a lead and maybe you're taking a knee in the fourth quarter instead of having to push the ball into the end zone in the fourth quarter. Exactly and, right. And let's be honest. If the and Ravens, it's okay to do that. It's all yeah. right. If the Ravens receivers don't drop three touchdowns, they're in We're no not, position yep. to win that game in the fourth quarter anyway. Also true. And if John Harbaugh knew how to manage scoring <laughs> points with the most automatic kicker ever to step on the field. By the way, I did the math on all the missed opportunities by the Ravens. 
Do you know what the score to that game should have been at, at one point in the fourth quarter? Don't tell me. Like 37 nothing. Oh, I mean, geez. that's how many opportunities they botched. Whether it was going for it on fourth and two, or the Ooh. Lamar pick, or the, the Aguilar drop was the Aguilar drop for is them. literally he was like wide open, <laughs> like something out of a movie. Like if you wrote in a movie script, man's arms are this wide apart, he does not catch football. They'd be like, oh, come on, that's unrealistic. <laughs> Which, by the way, side note, and then we'll get to the final. Is this a thing? Because I know we got to wrap up. Uh, Brooke Pryor was telling me that in a conversation with Rex Ryan the other morning, oh, he, wow. he he noticed, Rex Ryan noticed that the Ravens were warming up some of their pregame drills with rugby balls for some reason. And so Rex Ryan's theory is that they didn't warm up with properly sized balls. <laughs> and we all know big balls can be a problem sometimes. And so this is already weird coming from Rex Ryan. Just saying. <laughs> Mention no, nothing about toes. Um, so <laughs> oh, Rex Ryan's theory is had they not warmed up with rugby balls pregame, maybe they would have caught some of those footballs that their hands were too far apart because they warmed up with rugby balls. Well, why they would they warm up do with a rugby ball to, to actually stretch out his hand? So yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why they would do that, Greg. It's a wonderful question, but I'm more here for Rex's odd theory about. <laughs> arms being trained to be too far apart because they were using rugby balls instead of footballs. And Calor goes out and goes, oh man, I thought it was the rugby ball. Oh man, Lamar's balls was too small again. <laughs> Good night, uh, everybody. No. All right. One more is this a thing. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll charter this, this boat out of the bay and into the open water. Yeah, it's go. it's a bonus, is this a thing? Because we all mentioned it to each other on our text chain the other day. We've seen several people uh, question Mike Tomlin's clock management towards the end of the game, saying, even in a win, this guy still screws it up because they had to kick the field goal and give the ball back to Baltimore. I, I'd like to point out at this point that that had nothing to do with clock management. They were on the precipice no. of running the clock out but they took a flag because yeah. someone lined up improperly. Yeah. And so that's why they had to kick the field goal. It had nothing. I hate to be the bearer of bad news for those that can't stand Mike Tomlin. And look, I go back and forth on Mike T all the time because he's a Hall of Fame coach, but his recent success has been just not losing more than he wins. He's got to win another yeah. championship for me in order to really fulfill the everything that some people want to say about him as far as being a great coach. He's been great at times in his career. He just, not a lot of those times have been in the last half decade or so. Or decade. I'd argue he does the small things great, but not the big things as great. Okay. That's a fair argument as well. Yeah. I guess. That's this, how I'd categorize it. And, and I've had questions about his clock management in the past too, like not calling yes. timeouts at the end of halves or, you know, wasting challenges that could be later be better used as timeouts. How about but, him but, winning that challenge that he should have lost be, yes. by way of the role? Like that was the so most he, confusing thing. So he, that, like, won, he didn't win, but he still keeps what? his timeout. Oh. Like, when they said Tomlin's challenge, he was like, "Well, we lost this one," and they're like, "But by role, but the Steelers do win the challenge." <laughs> And the crazy part was I texted you guys like I, I could like I get the premise of why he challenged it, but I can't see him winning it. And somehow they said he won it without winning it. I'm like, what? What? What just happened? 
So Mike. Then Tomlin, again, that was the theme of the whole game. But still. yeah, Mike Tomlin is bad at clock management. Is this or let's 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 rephrase it specifically to Sunday's game. Yes. Mike Tomlin blew the clock management at the end of the Ravens game. Is this a thing? Because no, it's in my opinion nowhere near no. a thing. Specifically no. to Sunday. No, it's not a thing. And for two reasons: one, if they don't get called for a penalty. They still have the opportunity to kick the field goal to be up by seven points with about, what, eight or nine seconds left in the game? Who says no to that possibility? Let's say they even miss the field goal. They're still up by four points with eight or nine seconds left in the game. Who says no to that possibility? Without the penalty, that's the exact situation that you're looking at. There's no way I'm looking at that as a terrible thing or as a bad decision. Second of all, the second reason why I will say this isn't a thing, did everybody see by now what happened with Miami and Georgia Tech? Oh, my God. Did everybody see what Satan coach with Miami and Georgia Tech did like five years before that when he was coaching at Oregon? Have you oh. have you seen what he has done throughout the course of the season this year when he has a lead? He just refuses why? to kneel on the ball. Why? No one knows why Mario Cristobal does not kneel on the ball. No one can understand why. But we keep seeing how it costs him games. This is why you kneel on the ball and remove all, all doubt. doubt. Yep. Yeah. It's, I, I just I, I don't understand. That is all. It, it, it seems like fishing to me to complain about the way that went down and put it on Mike Tomlin. Like, and then it, if they run the ball and they fumble, it's oh, why did Tomlin have? Why did Tomlin run the run ball? The ball? <laughs> right, or yeah. more, more than likely, it would be oh, I can't believe Matt Canada called that. What a dummy! Dunning <laughs> um, and Kruger send their regards. <laughs> but but you're right. Like they're they're kicking a field goal to go up by seven with what like ten seconds left. Actually, they were so close at that point that they could have taken a delay of game if they even wanted right. to. Now, they wouldn't have because you don't want right. to make the kick for Boswell any harder. But to be quite honest, a 47-yarder, I don't think, is not going to be any harder. Uh, or he ended up kicking 42. It would have been well, a 42. For, this, for the second most reliable kicker in the league? Yeah. I, I, I. So, yeah, Mike Tomlin didn't screw up there. I mean, I'm more, if he, no. I'm more if he had, we'd say he did. I am with Tomlin. I mean, I'm not annoyed with yes. Tomlin at all there, but I'm annoyed with Jukes well, for taking I, a penalty like that. Right. Well, right. I, and I'm, I'm more annoyed I'm, with the guys on the field. Yes, I'm annoyed with whoever was supposed to line up covering Chooks on exactly. the end of the formation and failed to do so. That's exactly. the person that you want to be mad at if you want to be irrationally mad at someone for something late in a game. And it would anyway. be rational. And th- then it w- you're right. It would be rational and make some sense. So that's been our first edition of is this a thing since week one? Yeah, sorry. I had to check the calendar. It's our there. October edition. Yes, it's our bi-week edition. And yes. we'll have a, another bi-week edition of 4th Down in the Steel City at some point later in the week. Uh, perhaps we'll take a look ahead, early look ahead to the Rams. Maybe we'll just make some picks for some weekend games. Whatever we do, we'll be here. We'll definitely, well, Matt Canada is going to talk on Wednesday. We might have to break that down at some point. That could get interesting. But for our producer, Greg Finley, for Josh Taylor, be sure to subscribe, be sure to follow, be sure to like, be sure to comment, rate, review, all of it. I'm Chris Mack. Thanks for joining us for another edition of 4th Down in Steel City.